0: The Mac Observers Mac Geek Gab, episode 540, for Sunday, February 15th, 2015.
1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observers Mac Geek Gab, the show. Where you send in the questions, the tips, the cool stuff found, we answer the questions, we share the tips, we discuss the cool stuff found, which is what we did last week. I don't think we have any cool stuff found this week. And the goal is to learn a lot every single time we come together here and have some fun while we're doing it. Our first sponsor for this episode is Linda at lynda.com slash mgg. That's the URL you visit to get a full 10 day free trial of linda's entire offering so you got to check that out we'll talk more about that in the show also sponsor for this episode Barebones software at barebones.com makers of fine software like bb edit like yojimbo we'll talk a little bit more about those later in the show too here in uh no longer snowing durham new hampshire at least for the moment i'm dave hamilton and here in chilly windy very windy Fairfield, Connecticut. This is John F. Bron. Yeah, it's bitter cold out there. Actually, it's not that bitter. I, I mean, I say that, John. Uh, it, it, when I woke up this morning, or when I when I got downstairs this morning, it was eighteen degrees, which is quite a bit warmer than the single digit and negative single digit Fahrenheit temperatures that we saw. Yeah, eighteen degrees Fahrenheit, uh, but we were seeing temperatures right around zero, within five degrees on either side, all week long uh, in the mornings. So. So 18 degrees in the morning is not a bad uh, thing. I guess we're going in the right direction, but I have to figure out how to solve my ice dams, John. I've never had them before and wow. uh, it's not good. So that's yet another geek gab topic. Uh, not not necessarily Mac geek gab topic, but I need, I need house geek gab, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'd hire, I'd get a professional to do that. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure there's much you can do. I, I, I mean, I, there there's some you can do. The first thing I got to do is get the snow off the roof, which I will. Um, and then it's a matter of, do I want to put those little discs up with the uh, calcium chloride in them to melt some? I just need to melt some tracks in, in the ice dam so that when everything ah. starts to melt, the water has somewhere to go and doesn't just, you know, try and seep its way into my house. That's yeah, that's the that's, real trick. Yeah, that's the good stuff. That's what I use. Calcium chloride. Yeah, they, they say if you if you have ice dams, I was reading about it. You can buy these little things or whatever that that are built to do it, and you just throw them. You toss them up onto your roof above <laughs> the ice dam. No, and then and then it you know it, yeah. it melts through. But they say if you want to do it uh, yourself, what you get is uh, pantyhose, old pantyhose or new pantyhose. It doesn't really matter. Uh-huh. Um, and you uh, put calcium chloride in about four inch lengths of that and tie it off at either end, and then just throw that up on your roof, and it'll you know make. Uh, It'll do sits It's the same thing. Just, you know, some sort of permeable, uh, sausage for it. I guess <laughs> what mm-hmm. that would be anyway. That's so not, That's not what we're talking about today, or at least that's not what we're going to talk about anymore today. Well, I want to talk about one new thing that I just ran into all sorts of new things. I oh, hope you didn't um, run into anything in your car though.
0: Oh no. Okay, good. No, those, those days have passed. Let's hope when I was a, well, when I was a young driver, I tended to run into things. Yeah. I was with you once, uh, uh, oh, when we, twice, uh, when, we I guess. when we hit hit that guy that flipped his truck. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah, we were lucky uh, to. All survive I got to say is I am glad that we were driving a big piece of American metal. No I mean, kidding. That, Cheers
1: to that. That Cordoba was like was a tank. Yeah, yeah. This podcast would not exist today if uh, if you had if you had chosen to drive a a smaller uh, car with less weight. We um yeah, yeah folks. We were. Uh, years and years before Mac Geek cab was ever even a, a twinkle in our eyes. Um, we were driving along. It was a uh, new England road speed limits, maybe 45 or so it was at night in the fall, foggy, uh, single lane on either side, you know, so two lanes of traffic in opposing directions and it was foggy and you get used to that in new England and you see fog and, you know, and so you just kind of drive through it. And, uh, and I remember sitting in the passenger seat, John. You know, we're cruising along, and I don't think you were going. I mean, maybe you were going 50, but you know, you weren't speeding or anything in, a, in an egregious way. And uh, obviously, we hit fog, and then there was red light in the fog, bam. And now we're still driving along. <laughs> we look at each other like, uh, you okay? Yep. You okay? Yep. And then I remember you saying, John, I can't really steer okay well we need to figure out what just happened and yeah some guy's truck had flipped over in the other lane coming the other way and slid into our lane i mean if we were two seconds later his truck hit your car like on the front like just a very front corner enough that you know but if he was two more feet into our lane it would have changed everything man oh
0: oh yeah and I don't even remember his insurance company, they were like, oh, you, 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 you evaded. You drove. Away. I'm like, how would I know to call you to file a claim if Seriously? I evaded? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was a real
1: scummy insurance company. I'm wow. like, look, you know, it's, we're, it's we're talking, fault. no evasion. Yeah. The tow truck driver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we were there. We didn't see the guy. He had more problems. He had. I, I guess what had happened, he was coming the other way really fast. I mean, like super fast and swerved to avoid a, a deer or something. So uh, he claims, Yeah. Well, that happens. I mean, that's that's a reasonable mm-hmm. claim at that time of year. And I guess went up on the bank. So th- for us, the, the the road was kind of in the middle of a hill and uh, to the right of us was th- the, the hill went down. And, uh, obviously to his right, the hill went up. And so he went up on the hill and then rolled his truck onto its side and slid. They said he slid like, you know, a hundred feet. How fast do you have to be going to slide a truck on its side? A hundred feet. I mean, that's, he must've been cooking. Anyway, we were fortunate. Yeah. But that's not the only thing I'm telling you about. (laughs) Remember we were in the traffic circle in Revere, Mass there.
0: Oh yeah. When the guy, uh, yeah, when the guy creamed us in the uh, the rotary. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was nice. <laughs> he was like, "Your fault." I'm like, "Well, no, I nah, don't think I, so. <gasps> I was ahead of you. Uh, y- you kind of ran into me." Yep. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all righty. Um, so the new thing. So, so initially, so you know, I'm logging into Skype and uh, and it wasn't working. I, I saw a call, and then all of a sudden, uh, nothing. And I'm like, "What happened?" I'll tell you what happened, Dave. Is I had changed my password. Now, why did you do that, John? Well, I'll tell you why I did that. So the other day I noticed this. This is a relatively new feature in LastPass, and I think it's a good feature. I noticed this just the other day. I was on one of the screens in the uh, uh, in my browser the, with the uh, LastPass extension, and I noticed this button that I hadn't seen before. Change password automatically. This is a new feature that they have implemented. It doesn't work on every site, but it works on a lot of sites. And basically, you click the button, and it... um. You click the button and it, it uh, logs into the site. It generates a strong password uh, per the parameters that you've defined for LastPass, sure, and, and just changes it for you. That's pretty cool, man. Huh? It is. It's it's a good, um, yeah. And I think they introduced it in uh, in December. I, I just yeah. hadn't noticed, or yeah. but yeah, no, it works great. So uh, you know, it's a, it's a good idea to you know take that into account because uh, um. Yeah, some of my passwords are, uh, you know, could be better. Right. And uh, using LastPass, you know, it make, it, you know it's effortless. It just, you know, kind of magically happens in the
1: background. That's awesome. Wow. That's pretty cool. Good stuff. I like it. All right. Should we, uh, let's go to Ralph here. Ralph wrote in this week. He says, I'm gearing up to buy a brand new late 2014 27 inch non-retina iMac for the family. My question is about the optional fusion drive. Do you, either of you have any personal experience with those? What's the verdict? Do they hold up? Do they perform as touted last boot time, uh, fast boot time ups get, man, let's see if we can do that again. Fast boot up times, yet lots of storage. There we are. Based on my experience of putting SSDs in my MacBooks, I know I want the boot up speed they offer, but I cannot afford the large, uh, solid state drives that will provide the kind of storage I need. So I'm considering the one terabyte fusion drive. Any thoughts on their merits? Um, you know, I have, uh, I have yet to set up a fusion drive here, John, uh, my, the iMac that I have in front of me, the 2011 iMac was released just before the fusion drives were an option. And so it's not really an option on this, of course, though, of course you can set one up manually. Uh, and when I got my retina uh, iMac, I got it with a 512 gig SSD, so or a 500 gig, I guess they call it SSD, and um, and so I th- there's no fusion drive in that. This this one in front of me has a 256 gig uh, SSD and the one terabyte spindle drive. So uh, it has the hardware for a fusion drive. I just manage it separately. And you know, I I should set one up for the purposes of testing for this show, but I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, it's probably because I'm a geek, but you know, I spent years and years uh, setting up networks and such where we were doing uh, multiple spindles and RAID drives and all that stuff. And drives fail. And when you have more than one hardware component comprising a volume, which is what a fusion drive is, it's the, the fusion of an SSD, typically a 128 gig SSD when Apple does it by default. And then in in this case, a one terabyte fusion spindle. Um, when you do that, you, uh, it, there is no fault tolerance. So if one fails, everything's gone. Uh, now that's true. If you only have one hard drive as well, if one fails, everything's gone. I just feel like there's more opportunity for failure there. I may be wrong on this, but, um, but I prefer to manage things my own. I think you are going to get better speeds uh, if you manage it manually and put things that you know you want on the SSD there as opposed to going with Apple's, um, you know, in the background logic to decide. Though I think Apple's in the background logic will do some of, of what you would do on your own, which includes putting the majority of the boot stuff on the SSD so that you get that startup speed. So... Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I know you're not running a fusion drive either, John, but, uh, but I'm curious as to your thoughts. Um,
0: uh, I don't know. I got drives. Uh, <laughs> haven't really dabbled with it. I, I yeah. have no thoughts. I guess I am running something that's redundant and actually something just came up here. And, well, Hey, hang on, hang on. I, I,
1: let, let's go there in a second, but let's stay on track for a second. So, um, but, but, but you clearly you have thoughts on the, on the subject. W- would you run a fusion drive on your own or would you, would you manage it separately? I don't think I'd really
0: consider it. I'd, I'd like to have everything on one drive, honestly.
1: Well, oh, but a, a fusion drive gives you that end appearance, right? Because you, it's one volume. It, right, right is managed in the background, which is which, which, which is what you like. But would you do it with a a? Uh, I guess it's striped is the wrong word. It's spanned disks, right? Where you've effectively got you know your data is only in one on one of of the two disks, but you just can't control which which two. So I'm just curious. I'm just curious as to your thoughts. You know, if you were buying a new iMac, would you would you get it with a fusion drive? No. Okay. There you
0: go. No, an iMac maybe in my future, and I think I would just get it with a large enough, uh, large enough drive. I mean, you know, like I did here on the, the MacBook. I mean, sure. you know, one terabyte SSD for you know, three hundred bucks. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's the choice I made. I am running. Yeah. What are yeah? Now sense. I want to hear. Yeah. 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 Well, I am running uh, though. I am running something that is, uh, I, I guess you could say, it's fusion like. So, uh, for this machine, I actually have a uh, RAID set. I used Disk uh, Utility to uh, create a, a mirrored volume oh. that I have a USB drive. It, yeah, I have this. Uh, so I have two drives. Uh, one is a firewire 800, which I'm like, what am I going to do with this thing? You know, it's a fairly old iOmega, Omega, like 300 gig. Um, and I also have a, a USB drive, both, you know, the smaller form factor, two and a half inch, I guess. Um, and I'm like, huh, oh, why don't I make that a raid set? And do a carbon copy cloner backup to it uh daily. You know, I have it wake up, I think, you know, two in the morning, creates yep. a backup, and then then it, it it goes to sleep. And it was interesting because actually what came up the other day is Drive Pulse came up and said, oh, uh, you know this iOmega drive here? Uh it's got some bad blocks. So I'm like, thank goodness I uh did a mirrored set. <laughs> yeah. And that uh yeah, so that drive is starting to fail, so I'm gonna have to uh, toss that drive and uh uh, put another one there in the merit set.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that, you know, that th- see that I like right. Fault tolerance. You've got two, you know, drives of, of questionable origin, not questionable, but, but you know, great history long in the tooth. And, uh, and so you've got them backing each other up, so to speak. I like that. We had a, uh, a discussion. I started a discussion after Ralph's question came in earlier this week on our Facebook group, um, for about this and uh, and there's some interesting thoughts they, no one has had any serious problems with fusion drives over time um, I'm hoping that someone will post some uh, benchmarks uh, on their fusion drive from the uh, from like a black magic speed test or something so hopefully that'll show up this week during in that group and if you've got a fusion drive and you're interested black magic is a free freely available from the app store black magic disc speed test and is awesome. So check out that group and download black magic and then post your results. We'd love to, I'd love to hear because it is, I mean on the surface, it's very attractive, right? You know, you, you, if you can truly get the speed of the SSD when you want it and then everything else is there because what I'm doing downstairs is I've just got things on two separate drives and I've got my music library and my photo, uh, actually my photos, I, I moved internal, but you know, I've got my music library and things like that uh, on the external drive and things that I don't really care about speed with. And then, uh, and then I'm booting and my documents and my apps and all that stuff for launching and running from the SSD. Fun, funny, funny drives. All right. Um, McKay wrote, says, uh, OS 10 finder and mission control don't seem to be aware of each other's existence and can't work together. He says I'm running uh, Yosemite on my Mac mini and uh, with all of my other applications, mission control and finder uh, mission control uh, interacts Uh, With the following way, one can engage mission control and drag a window of, say, Safari onto another space and the Safari window will migrate to that space. Additionally, if one moves horizontally left or right with the control left or right arrow, uh, our Safari window will stay uh, on the space it belongs and look to slide away from us, which is how spaces work. And spaces can actually be really cool things. Um, I don't run them, but uh, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, I probably should run them. But um, it, it can be a great way to kind of manage your, your workspace. Uh, he says, however, Finder doesn't do any of these things. When enabling mission control and dragging Finder to another space at the top of the screen, the Finder window refuses to be moved and goes right back to where it started when released. Additionally, when swiping left or right on the desktop, the open Finder window will just appear on the next space in the exact same location. All other apps except the Finder work fine. Maybe it's a prefs issue. I don't know. So, yeah, I think it is a prefs issue and I think it's a pretty easy one. If you right click, the only way I know how to get there is this. Uh, there might be another way, but if you right click on your Finder icon in the dock and go to options and see what's set for assign to. Uh my guess is that it says all desktops and you probably want it to be on none. If you have it set to all desktops, then it will do exactly what it's doing. Finder will appear on all desktops and it, I'm not sure, like I said, I don't run spaces, but I feel like this might be a default for the finder because, uh, you might want your files available. Uh, it, it seems reasonable that, that of all the apps that exist, the finder might be one where you kind of want that on every space so that, you know, when you've got files moving around, uh, you're not having to go to a different space to, to find them as it were. But yeah, you can turn that off. You can put it on none and, uh, and then it will only be on the space that you've put it on use spaces john no i find it too confusing <laughs> yeah i'd get lost <laughs> yeah i i do it occasionally on my macbook air where i obviously have you know an 11 inch screen so so limited real estate um i and and it works fine i find more helpful and it and it is using spaces to a degree is just doing full screen with some apps i'll have safari running full screen or mail running full screen and um And that works fine. You know, another thing while we're on this subject, John, uh, that I wanted to bring up, there were a couple things that, uh, that I've had in the MacGab queue. but one of them is, you know, when I moved to Yosemite, I just left things the way they were. Um, When I helped my son set up a a new machine we were setting up for him, he went into all the preferences because he was curious, you know, he's 13 and he wanted to go through all that stuff. And he turned on dark menu in dock mode and man, I'll tell you what, I love it. Uh, I now have dark menu mode enabled on all of my machines and that's in uh, system preferences general right there on the first tab. There's a checkbox that says use dark menu bar and dock. I really, really like it because what happens and I like it on my 11 inch and I like it on my 27 inch. Uh, it makes the windows pop because the the screens these days mostly have black bezels what it does is it makes the menu bar really just kind of fade away into the um into the bezel of the of the screen and it makes all your windows really pop out and uh it didn't take me very long to get used to it at all in fact it it was in, immediately i liked it so uh so i highly recommend checking it out you may not like it but uh but it is worth checking it out so i'll leave that that, that, that's, I've got other tips too, but you know, that's the, uh, that, that's the one I've been meaning to share. So you, have you tried it yet, John? Do you use it? Yeah, I checked it out and I'm like, eh, I'm okay. I'm okay with the way it normally is. Yeah. I felt that way in the beginning when, when it, you know, when I first saw it either in the betas or whatever, you know, whenever I first turned it on, I was like, yeah, that's interesting. I turned it off. But as soon as I saw my son kind of driving around with it, I was like, Oh, I get this now, you know? Um, I kind of had to have a little bit of a forest from the trees approach before I, before I fully grokked the beauty of it. Hey, uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor, John, which is Linda at l-y-n-d-a dot com slash m-g-g. That's the URL you go to in order to get a 10 day free trial of Linda's fantastic courses on all kinds of topics. They have over, they now have over 3000 courses. Uh, and these aren't just courses that they've developed over, you know, the decade plus that they've been doing this. Um, that Some of them are, but they're always up to date. So they have expired courses that don't apply these days. So when I say they have 3000 courses, it's 3000 relevant courses. Now, not all of them are going to be relevant to you. You may not be interested in accounting. You probably are. And if you are, that's a great place to go. Right. But you might be interested in web development. There you go. Uh, Photography. uh, You want to learn Photoshop. Great. Check it out. And these are video courses. They are so well done. I mean, these people that create these courses are professionals. They are experts in their field and they, uh, they go through, they do the course and you're either seeing the instructor because it's a video course or, uh, and and you'll see the instructor in in courses where that's, that makes sense. Uh, But also if you're learning something like say Photoshop, you will be uh, shown the screen and you get to see what's happening. So you're not just having someone tell you, hey, here's what you do, here's the button you click. You know, for example, if somebody was showing you, if, if you take the course on, on OS X Yosemite, uh, you don't just hear somebody like me telling you, okay, go to system preferences, go do this. You will see it happen on the screen and you can follow along too. In fact, and this is all part of, all, all available as part of your 10 day free trial. You can, Watch the courses on your iPad and your, uh, your iPhone too, if you like. So uh, you get your iPad up, you've got the course there, they're cooking along and you got the sound, you've got the video, and then you've got your Mac right next to you and you can just go back and forth. So, you know, there's no commitment required here. lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. You go there, uh, you sign up and you take a course, you take one course and forget about it. And, uh, y- you know, you don't owe them anything. You get 10 whole days of All of it. And uh, it really, really well done courses. They've got course materials that go along with them. Obviously, some courses have more than others because in some courses that's relevant. Uh, You've got a transcript going of the entire course as it happens. So if you're like, wait, what did they say? Uh, You can just go back and read it. Uh, Kind of have it has a little sing along with Mitch style thing where it highlights the words. If you want each course is chopped up into chapters. You can have those chapters just auto flow from one to the other, or you can have it stop at the end of the chapter. If you know that you, you know, like that OS 10 Yosemite thing, I'd want to have a little break where, okay, I learned about this. Now I just want to poke around and, and check out some of this stuff that I've learned. And then you're going to go back and you hit play and you continue on. So you got to check this out. l y n d a L Y N D a.com slash M G G. And uh, and I want to hear about it. It's, you know, we're we're a month into 2015 here. John and I, we want to hear about what you've learned from Linda. So go sign up for the trial and then tell us what you've learned. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about it on the show. We've got uh, we've got some more Linda spots coming up, of course, and we'll we'll talk about it. So thank you to you for doing that in advance. And uh, and thank you to Linda for uh, for sponsoring the show and, and supporting what we do here. L.Y.N.D.A. dot com slash m g g john you want to take us to sean
0: yeah uh-huh. um though i'll say personally dave i'm two months into the year uh, i don't know what what calendar are you on you said you were we were a month
1: into the year well, We're a month and a half right okay. i mean it's february 15th right so right, right you right. know yeah, yeah,
0: yeah all right so here we go we had a question and actually this is relevant because i had to do this uh or i i just did this dave to uh Uh, One of my older uh, machines here. So the question is from Sean. And he says, I have a 2007 17-inch MacBook Pro that is running Mountain Lion. I want to wipe all my personal information off of it, keeping the OS, so that I can sell it. What's the best way to do this? Um... Well, one thing you can do, Dave, and actually I did this. Uh, so I have the uh, MacBook Pro. So I finally put it back together. Um, you know, it was in pieces because I took the uh, drive out and put it in my new machine. Um, or at least that's what I did. And then, you know, I finally decided, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'll probably. Go to Gazelle or someone and, and sell it. Or maybe I'll sell it to you for parts or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll see how that works out. But basically, sure. but that machine actually came with uh, CDs, you know, those round things. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so, right. the, uh, so the Macs used to come with CDs that would include the OS that, uh, you know, that was uh, current at the time. And actually, that's what I did with this machine. But of course, now the, the machines do not come with a CD that lets you reinstall the uh, OS. Sure. Because they don't have a lot of them don't have CD drives even. <laughs> Right, because Apple doesn't want to do that, though. I still have CD drives on both of my machines, though I I suspect the next next machines I get will not have them.
1: Yeah, Um, it took me a couple of weeks to realize that my new uh, Retina iMac does not have a DVD drive. Um, And it was when I went to rip a movie. Now, to be fair, it was a a Blu-ray, so I was going to use my external drive anyway. But it was like, hey, I can't put this in the side. That's all right. Good to go. Anyway, though it is cool
0: you can do the remote CD thing. I have mm-hmm. done that on uh, on uh with a with an iMac. I forgot actually, about I that. Was, yeah. Actually, I was able to do that and that this was like totally geeking out. I was actually able to do this um using the CD drive on a windows machine that there's something you can install on a windows machine. That'll let you do the remote CD thing <laughs> cross platform. It was pretty cool when you have the for CDs. I mean, the only thing I really use them for now is yeah. If I'm ripping a, a movie. Sure. Um, but anyways, so to his question, I think the best thing to do would be as follows. Uh, so with newer machines, I would first go into OS 10 recovery. Um, now at first I thought, oh gosh, you know his OS is kind of old. There, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, OS uh, OS 10 recovery applies, but it does at least according to Apple. Um, you should have the ability to uh, to run it. Um, they have a support article that talks about it, um, and they claim that Lion uh, Lion and greater uh, supports OS 10 recovery. So here's what I do: first, I would go into OS 10 recovery, and I would then run this Utility. And the first thing I would do, uh, uh, what I would do is erase the, uh, the drive, which you can do because you're booted into recovery. Um, normally you can't format the drive that you, uh, <laughs> you that you boot into. From. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's silliness. Um, but if you boot into recovery, you can do that. So what I would do is run this Utility, And what you're going to see then is if you click on the drive, your main drive and you go to erase, there's going to be, uh, some options uh one is a race free space i wouldn't bother with that um but then you're going to see another button here and and it varies what you're going to see in here based on the uh the, the version of disutility, utility but you're going to see security options um and it's going to range from or at least the the one i'm looking at right now you're going to it's going to range from fastest to most secure and there's going to be like four levels here i would probably not choose fastest because that doesn't Uh, there's still the potential if you then do an erase there's the potential for people to recover your data and we don't want that so i would move it maybe one to the right that's a better option because what happens there is when you do the erase it's going to overwrite the drive with uh, zeros now it's going to take a while you know but uh, that's what i would do now, if you're really paranoid now, in theory, if, if you get if somebody really knows what they're doing, they may be able to recover your data, even if you do a, a single pass. So they have some one that will uh, uh, um, do more overwrites, uh, but it takes much, much longer. I mean, this could take hours or maybe days if you choose one of these options. But if you have like state secrets or whatever and you really want to be sure that it goes away and somebody cannot get it, <clears throat> I would choose one of the 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 options to the farther right. I think the, the one of them, it'll overwrite the data three times. And then the other, it'll overwrite it seven times. And these are like us DOD standards, department of defense standards. Uh, So that's the first thing I would do Dave.
1: And and I'm going to stop you there because all of that is correct on a spindle drive. Yes. I, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that because
0: the thing is the jury is, the jury is out on how to short of having a command that will do an erase of the ssd um any of these options may not erase everything on an ssd
1: because of the way they they allocate uh blocks yeah they probably won't i think i think it's i don't think the jury's out on it on that, I think that the jury's in that 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 will not erase everything on an SSD. What the jury's out on is how to erase everything on an SSD. Um, there there's an app, um, there's an app called Parted Magic for Windows that you can run in boot camp that would that a lot of people seem to think is is the right way to um to to deal with that. But man, yeah, it's not. Uh, I, yeah the jury's out as far as i understand yeah yeah so
0: um but i'm almost sure that this machine has a rotational drive sure. and not an ssd yeah right 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 um and then the second thing i would do is once you erase the drive uh using whichever security option uh you choose would then be to quit this utility and then uh, one of the other features in os 10 recovery is install the os now you that's gotta make right. sure you're connected to a network because what it does is it downloads a copy of the uh, appropriate OS. So you either have to be connected via a wired or wireless connection. I'd probably choose wired to get uh, speed and reinstall the OS and then the machine's all fresh and ready for whoever you want to sell it to. Um, that's what I've done. I, uh, you know, some people will leave stuff on. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend just like throwing away your home folder and stuff because there's still there could still be personal data scattered about. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. So, and uh, when I've sold machines, I've always installed the latest OS. It's like whoever you're selling it to, if they want to upgrade to the latest, uh, you know, that's that's their decision.
1: So wait, you but said that, that, you just said it, when you've sold machines, you've always installed the latest OS. You, you mean you've installed the OS? No, I'm the sorry, I, I, OS. I,
0: I misspoke. I'm sorry, I, okay. I installed the original OS. Okay. I installed, you know, like for example, now my MacBook Pro, it has 10.5 on it, which is what, what it came with. Got it. So you got can it. run Yosemite on it if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, not all the features are available. I think. Yeah. The, this it's one of the. Uh, I think it's the oldest machine that it's possible to run uh, Yosemite on. Anything older than that MacBook, you can't. Like yeah, I think this machine. What do you say? Yeah, MacBook Pro uh, two thousand seven. Yeah, I don't think you could even run Yosemite. I think it'll refuse to uh, to install.
1: So. Uh no, it'll run. <coughs> I've got it running on one here. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's Core Two Duo, so, uh, so it runs, yeah. And actually, it runs fine. That's that's the machine I have one of those um, that my son's using now, and that's the one that he turned the uh, the you know ah, right. the black, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Let the, speaking of installing OSs and perhaps not installing the latest OS, let's let's take it to uh, let's take it to Felix and flip this flip this problem on its head, John. Yeah. All right.
0: So here, Felix says, I'm interested in getting a new Mac Pro. No, not MacBook Pro. That's right. He's looking for Mac Pro, as in the the tube or the trash can, like one. (laughs) (laughs) And I need it to run Mavericks, not Yosemite. Apple Store folks say that it won't run Mavericks. But I'm imagining that this would be because it's not possible within the OS to revert. If I were to clone my drive and clone that to the internal drive of the new Mac Pro... Is there any reason to suspect that it would not run? And my response is as follows, Dave. I'm calling BS on the info that he got from the people at the Apple store. (laughs) I don't know why they said that, that you can't run it. They may not want him to, but the thing is, according, uh, and and so I checked my source here, at least according to Mac Tracker, the latest Mac Pro shipped with 10.9. And even according to Apple, you should be able to run Mavericks on a Mac Pro, uh, Mac Pro or later looking at the system requirements. So I don't see any reason why cloning, um, wouldn't work. You may want to test it and maybe, maybe do it on an external drive first, just to make sure that there's no hiccups. But I, I see no reason why you, why you can't do that. So why did they say that?
1: I, they're wrong. They telling me. Co- yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Um, and I knew immediately when, when we saw Felix's email, what it was, um, it, it's uh, Pro Tools, which is a piece of software, especially Pro Tools HD, a uh, piece of software for uh, recording, uh, pro- professional recording, like uh, multi-track recording that you do in a, a music studio, uh, runs much better under Mavericks right now. Uh, and actually a lot of people, and Felix even said that Logic is the same way, which is sort of interesting given that it's from Apple, but um, You know, you want the processing horsepower of the Mac Pro, but you want to be able to run Pro Tools. Of course, it comes with Yosemite. And about two weeks before Felix's email came in, I got a phone call from a uh, from actually one of my musical heroes. And 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 he uh, he had just gotten a Mac Pro and he needed to run Mavericks for Pro Tools. And he had gotten off the phone with Apple and they told him, yeah, you can run Mavericks on it. No problem. You just have to get the installer, which, of course, is a trick. So, uh, I helped him get the installer. Felix, uh, found the same thing. Now what Felix was able to do to get the installer was, uh, he said he logged into his father's account, um, and downloaded it from his dad's purchases history, uh, in order to, uh, to then install it. I'm looking on my machine now. And in my purchases, I know I've had Uh, You know, I mean, I've, I've had every OS that's been sold through the app store, but I'm not seeing them in my purchases history. Now I know there, there was a trick for getting them to come up. Um, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing that trick. And if I am, maybe, uh, maybe somebody in the chat room will, will help us, but, but that's where you can get it from. Or if you were smart enough, um, or had a friend who was smart enough to archive off the installer for a previous version of OS 10, that would work too. I um I I save them all on my disk station because you never know when you're going to need one of those things and it's it's handy to have an archive of that stuff around. Speaking of uh, our chat room, I want to say hi to everyone in the chat room uh, at MacGeekGab.com dot com slash stream. Chris Humphreys in the chat room heard us talking before. He has a Mac Mini running a Fusion Drive and uh did some disk write uh and read tests with black magic speed test for us and uh he said he was getting 260 megabyte per second writes and 413 megabyte per second reads so those are well those are those are fine speeds um on and I don't know that you know I don't know the the general what generation Mac mini it is or 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 any of that but I I know on my um on my new retina iMac uh, with the SSD in there, I'm getting about, I think it was about 700 megabytes per second down or re- writing and reading. So not as fast as an SSD proper, I don't think, uh, but it's hard to say, you know what it would compare to with an SSD in that machine, but still plenty fast and, and much faster than you would get with, um, with a spindle drive, I would think. So, so that's not bad, not Bad. thank you for doing that, Chris. Yeah.
0: And someone brought up a, uh, a- also in the chat room, someone brought up a good point here is that, you know, if you are, if you do a clone, you want to make sure that you, uh, uh, cause I think the clone would actually initially blast the recovery partition. Um, but I think both carbon copy cloner and super duper have facilities to install the proper, um, recovery, uh, for the OS that you're running.
1: Um, I know carbon, carbon copy, copy cloner, cloner does. does. I don't know that super duper does. Yeah. No. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon copy cloner has, has taken a step ahead these days. Uh, I'm using it exclusively now for all of my non time machine backups. Um, I do my daily clone with a super duper. Oh, sorry. With carbon copy cloner. And then I also do a, um, I I mentioned before I have my music library on a a spindle drive. I also like to back that up. And, and so I clone that daily to my disc station which is what my Sonos reads from and DS audio and all that reads from. So I have a, you know, an updated copy of my music library out there too. So
0: yeah, I did Carbon copy cloner. I think what are they on four. now they've uh, yeah. They redid the UI
1: added some uh, nice features. Yeah. It's my favorite. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. Yeah. Um, it does a great job. Like you said, with the, uh, with the, uh, recovery partitions, but, but yeah, the UI is great and, and the way you can kind of string things together. I have, like I said, I have, I have both of these scripts run daily. And so, uh, I have it run the first one. And then I actually have the first one set to trigger the second one so that they're never trying to run at the same time, but they both get, you know, they both get the, uh, they both get things done. So
0: yeah, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> of course, uh, uh, another question, um, just in the, uh, realm of installing os's or older os's especially which is a seems to be a theme here is um i don't know about you dave but i have uh i've saved the installers um for several versions back
1: well that's what i was saying i saved them all on my disk station
0: yeah yeah oh good all right the, the other way so we, we actually had someone you know ask that question i think uh in a random email and uh another answer I, I is gee, how do i how do i how do i get an older uh well another answer is how do you get an older os well you join the developer program
1: <laughs> oh do they have them all there
0: uh last i checked what? yeah they have uh of yeah they go back they would yeah because yeah. as a developer you uh, should probably be testing your um you should probably be testing your stuff on os's um going back a, a couple
1: years. yeah Okay, so I am seeing OS Ten Lion out here and uh in my purchases list. I just wasn't looking um I wasn't looking carefully for it. I haven't found I haven't found Mavericks, but maybe it's maybe it's out there. Uh but yeah, you're right. I forgot about the developer program having that. Yes, very good. Good stuff. All right. Um Back in show five thirty eight, John, we were talking about Wi Fi speeds and and all of that good stuff. And uh, and listener Paul wrote in and asked, he said, "How are you testing your uh, your Wi Fi speeds?" I, w- I was t- we were talking about power line versus wireless extenders and and how I was you, you know uh, checking the speeds internal to my network and and the speeds that I was getting w- were the point was to test to make sure I could get speeds faster then my internet connection uh, would allow not only because I want everybody to have, you know, the, the full unfettered access to, to the full speeds of the internet that we have, but also because of backups and, and beaming movies around. Like I said, you know, I keep a lot of stuff on the disc station. I want to be able to beam that stuff to the Apple TV without, without having bandwidth issues or anything. And, uh, and so speed test and websites like that are great for measuring your internet speed. As long as you know that your network uh, in your house or your office is running at full speed, and the question that Paul has is, how do you test that? Uh, I found that there's basically one tool that's good for this, and it's called iperf. Now, iperf is not automatically installed on your Mac, and the idea behind—I'll tell you how to get it on there—but the idea behind iperf is you run it on two Macs in two different places on your network, and one of them sets up as a server. And that is, I believe the sender. And then the other you you connect as the client and, uh, and by default, it'll send a 10 second burst of traffic. And and the nice part is it's just dummy traffic that it's generating in software. So you're not going to be limited by the speed of a disc, say that it's reading data from, you know, copying from the finder from one computer to the other won't necessarily test your network. If your drive on one side or the other is slower than the maximum of your network, So, uh, the nice part about this is it's just blasting data. And then when the data gets to the destination, it receives it and throws it away. So it's, there's no other, really, it's just the network pipe, unless you've got some CPU problems, which, which can be an issue, um, at times, but probably not on, on your Macs today. Maybe, maybe if you've got iPerf on your router, there's a couple ways to install iPerf. Um, there is a, uh, it is a command line tool, um, meaning it, it's built to be run from like the terminal on your Mac, but uh, they have, uh, someone has released it as a, uh, as a Java, someone built a Java wrapper for it. That actually is kind of nice because it shows you some graphs and things like that. Uh, and that's, that's called JPerf, perf uh, for lack of a better uh, term. And that uh, we'll put a link to where that lives in the show notes. But um But if you aren't afraid of the terminal, that really is the best way to run it. And you can install it with Homebrew. And uh, Homebrew, we mentioned in the last show, uh, it's it's a super easy package manager. And by package manager, what we mean is a piece of software that allows you to install other software easily. The App Store, the Mac App Store on your computer is a package manager. It allows you to install other software easily and it manages that for you. Um, brew is another one and it does things that the Mac App Store will not do, like terminal-based programs like iperf. Um, go to brew.sh, there is a single line that you copy and paste we mentioned it in the last show. That'll get brew up, set up on your machine. And then you just say brew space install space iperf. Now, if you're going to do it this way, don't do the command I just said. Do brew space install space iperf3. That's the latest version of iPerf. It is not compatible with iPerf 2. You could install both. And in fact, for some of you, you might want to, depending on what you've got elsewhere. And then uh, on one Mac that you're going to use as a server, you just type iPerf 3 space dash S and boom, you're good to go. And on a Mac that you want to, uh, that the client, it's iPerf 3 space dash C because you're the client. And then you put in the uh, IP address of the other one and it'll blast data. We'll, we'll write this stuff up. We'll put up an article about this um, because it's, uh, it's good stuff. And, uh, one, and you know, there you go. So that's all I got. Use Iperf John
0: on occasion. Yeah. Like when, you know, I was proving to myself that, uh, um, jumbo packets
1: are better. Yes. I used it. (laughs) Oh, really? And did, did you see a, 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 measurable difference? Uh, I'm going to convince myself that I did. <laughs> Confirmation bias is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if...
0: No, the thing is, I, I would see greater speeds, but I don't know if they were in... They could have been within the realm of either measurement error or just the randomness um, of uh, you know, TCP IP, is that you won't get the same throughput. Even, you know, cause even everything else, well, if everything else was the same, then you would, but the thing is, you know, there are variables, um, right in, in
1: TCP, IP performance, right? Yeah. You won't get exactly the same numbers every time you run iPerf, uh, but you should, it should be somewhere close. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's how I know that I have a full gigabit pipe between the office and the studio and, you know, sorry. Well, I do between the office and the studio, but. Um, they're just one above the ones mm-hmm. above the other, but I have it between the office and the house too. So,
0: Yeah. Now the poor man's measurement tool, there's another tool you could use, Dave, and it's built right into the operating system. What's It's activity monitor. Well, it shows you how- Go to activity, mod- go to activity monitor, and then uh, I would say in the network tab, it'll show you network throughput. Now right. it's not a benchmarking tool. It'll give you- you know, what I've done, uh, you know, if you want to do it quick and dirty is you, you, t- you get a large file, you copy it from one machine to another, and then you check the uh, throughput. And that's, uh, you know, another way to measure it though. It's, you know, not.
1: Yeah. But like uh, I, I said before, I that's is a better way. That's not, that's actually a terrible way. Cause what are you measuring? Are you measuring the speed of your network? Are you measuring the speed of the drive you're reading from? Are you measuring the speed of the drive you're writing to? Right. Right. Yeah, good point. It, you know, it, I mean, and, and that's the pro- That's where something like I perf is, is handy. Now, uh, if you want to test your Wi-Fi speeds with your iPhone, there recently became a piece of software that runs iPerf two and iPerf three on your iPhone. And it is uh network tools from hurricane electric and it is available for free. Uh, so we will find and put the link for that um, in the, uh, in the, um, in the show notes, <laughs> but um yeah, so you can you can you can do that too. Fun stuff. Uh, have you tried the Hurricane Electric tools, John? No. Oh. It's good stuff. No, I'm using their, you know, IPV6 tunnel. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it seems weird that, that's you know, a company called Hurricane Electric would would be so involved in this, but uh but they are. So. Mm. Yeah. All right uh let's see where are we on time here you know what I want to talk about our second sponsor john which is uh barebones uh, barebones or sorry barebones Bare software is the name of the company and uh it's barebones.com barebones these folks have been making software well longer than we've been making podcasts which is actually saying something these days because you know I was thinking about it in the shower the other day john we started this podcast before uh, before the iPhone, before the Apple Watch, I mean, there's a whole list of things, right? But not before Barebones, not even close. We didn't start Mac Observer before Barebones. Those guys were were rock stars before Mac Observer was even a twinkle. They've been doing this a long time, and they started with a piece of software called BB Edit that is a killer text editor. We talked about it a lot on this show. Um, and if you need to edit text, or really, if you just need to manipulate or work with text, BB Edit is definitely something you want to check out. I also really, really like Yojimbo, which isn't quite as old as MacKey. Ge- well, maybe it is. I'm trying to remember. It might be. It it's it's about it's about in that range. Um Yojimbo is a piece of software for maintaining um all your stuff, bits and pieces of information. You want to throw PDFs in here, you want to throw little notes, you want to throw um uh, RTFD files, right? That files that that have metadata or not metadata, but rich data in them. Uh, this is an Apple only construct, but it's awesome. It's what we use for the show agenda. We have audio files and text and all of it in an RTFD file. You can create them in text edit, but you can also create them right inside of uh, Yojimbo. Store my serial numbers in here. Yojimbo will sync, not using iCloud. Uh, because iCloud syncing proved to be unreliable for third-party apps like this, so uh, so they've got their own syncing engine that they've partnered with, um, and uh, and it works brilliantly. I've got it syncing amongst four Macs, my uh, three iMacs and my MacBook Air, and uh, and that works great. You can have little. Um, little uh, collections of things. So I have a Mac geek gab collection and that just syncs across too. So if I put stuff in the Mac geek gab collection on my, uh, my iMac in the office, I come up to the studio and the data is just right here. It works fantastically well. Um, So I I recommend you check check them both out. Actually, you can go to barebones.com and, uh, and download trials of both of these and you can buy them right there. Um, when you're, when you're ready to roll, so check it all out, barebones.com, please, please check it out and, uh, and figure out which one of their, uh, packages that I mentioned, uh, BB edit or Yojimbo is your favorite of the bare bones software offerings these days. And let us know, um, you can, you can email us feedback at Mackie Of course is the place to find us. You can find us Mackie on Twitter. Let us know what you like. And, uh, we'd love to hear about it. So thank you to bare Bones at barebones.com for sponsoring the show. And uh, thank you all of our listeners for checking out their software. All right, John, let's see what we got here. Uh, I haven't been crossing things off. Oh, David has a question. Let's uh, let's let David take it away.
2: Hey John, Dave, this is David from Raleigh, North Carolina at main street Apple. And uh question for you. I have, all my movie collections in iTunes, and it is sitting on a external hard drive off of my Apple um, Express router. And what I typically do is have all the movies sitting just in a file folder, and then I drag them into iTunes uh, to add it to the iTunes library. And that typically always works fine. But now I drag it over to add it to the iTunes library, which is residing on the same external hard drive as the actual physical movies are the iTunes uh, database that is. And so it shows it copying it in in the progress bar the movie into the iTunes library and then it completes and then it doesn't show up anywhere in the database. I refresh, I quit, or, you know, open it back up. Nothing. Um, so I don't know what's causing this. Um, I think the hard drive's fine. I'm not having any performance issues with the hard drive itself. Seems to be something with uh, the iTunes library and it's indexing or something like that. So I don't know if you have any solutions for that. So then part b to all this is i thought about maybe moving the database to Plex, and i wondered if you guys could speak to that if you got to jailbreak the apple TVs to work with flex or flex will see it through some uh, other uh, app or something like that on there because that's basically how i serve up all my movies is through apple tv um which is pointing to the itunes library on the external hard drive hanging off my router this is where you cut me off uh you can reach
1: all right and we- Cut you off. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, two questions, really. The the first being how to go about um, repairing the iTunes. I mean, I I think it sounds like the library file is just damaged. Right, John? Uh, I mean, he's dragging the movie in. It's going through the process of adding the movie unless it's being unless it's putting it somewhere that he can't find it or he's not looking in the right spot. I know. I believe as a version 11 with iTunes, any movies that you drag in, even if it's a, a commercial movie that you've gotten the DVD or the Blu-ray and you ripped it on your own and, and put it in um, those typically were showing up in the home movies section. So it's possible it's actually there, just not exactly where you would think. Um, and, and I know you ran into some of that too, right, John? Hmm.
0: I know we had a question about, it. yeah, the but movies uh, at one point, movies got recategorized right. and people were shaking their fists and writing in saying, well, what happened? Where'd they go?
1: Right. Right. So that, it's possible that's what's going on. Uh, if not, then you know, it, it's worth, um, I mean, I hate to say, you know, blow away your iTunes library and recreate it, but it, it, um, it might be worth creating a separate iTunes library. Uh, if you launch iTunes with the option key held down, uh, you get three options. One is to quit. Uh, and then the other two are to either create a library or choose a secondary library, uh, create a secondary library just for testing purposes and drag one of these movies in and just find it right. It should be a lot easier to to see what's happened because you don't have all your other stuff in there too. And this may either show you where it is and hopefully you find it in the same spot in your main library. And then you can just throw away this other this other library file or um, it will show you that your library is, in fact, damaged in some way. Um, If it is damaged, then um, there's there's a process you can go through of create recreating the library from itself uh, you may not lose everything it, it there, there are kind of little backups that iTunes saves. I'm not going to go through the process here. There's a knowledge base article that makes it a lot easier than, than anything we could explain uh, audibly here. But, uh, but that would be the next thing to try is, is sort of recreating the library before just blowing it away and truly starting from scratch and, you know, re adding everything. Um, that that's my thoughts. Do you have any thoughts on that, John, before we move on to the kind of the second part of his question here?
0: no i i i don't use itunes for managing my movies so what do you use for managing your movies um well the few movies that i have are uh are on the uh uh, uh this station
1: okay and and so you and you just manage those with do you use plex on the disc station or do you use just nope. their, their no their are built-in stuff
0: no I just just put the mp4 file in uh yeah i just, just put it in the video folder and uh that's what I do. I yeah. don't really have a lot of rip movies, but when I do that, that that's, that's what I do. I, yeah. I like
1: their solution. I have, I, I, so I, I do the same thing, John. I, and I have lots of rip movies and we exclusively watch things from the disc station. It just makes life easier. Um, we pretty much use their own, uh, video station and, and companion apps, DS video, because they work so well with the Apple TV. You just, uh, you just tell it, okay, there's no interface, from the Apple TV to go tell it to start the movie from the disc station because there's no third-party apps on the Apple TV. However, once you get it started, uh, the disc station will stream directly to the Apple TV. Uh, you can use your phone to control it, but once you get it started, you can actually use the remote on on the Apple TV to to control it. And it's not streaming through your phone. There's no echoing of that you could take your phone and turn it off or, or leave the premises. And the, and as long as the disc station is still there, it's going to stream to your Apple TV because that's what it's doing. Um, I do also run Plex on the disc station. Um, we use that less and less uh, because it, because the, the, the built-in stuff works, but Plex's, Plex is Plex plex works the 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 one thing plex lacks is the ability to do that direct streaming you have to go through airplay now you could go through airplay from your mac you could go through airplay from your ios device and it works it actually works quite well but you are doing that you know kind of double duty on your network if you've got enough network speed on your local network then it doesn't matter um but you will be you know using either one of your computers which is if you're running plex on your mac then that's fine you can just you know, AirPlay from there to your Apple TV if your if your computer's got the the juice to do that, or you can do it from your iPhone, and it works fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, iTunes. You know, it's it's not the best way to manage your movies. I've found it's it's a little clunky. In fact, it's more than a little clunky. It, it needs an overhaul. But we've talked about that. It's it's a tough spot for Apple, right? It's not an easy thing for them to to overhaul these days. You want to take us to Adam, John? Nah. Okay. Well, all right.
0: (laughs) Adam. All right. Adam has a head scratcher here and I think I got an answer. I hope I got an answer. Yeah. This is a harder problem than I thought. So Adam writes, um, thank you for the podcast. It's lots of fun and informative.
1: You're welcome. Thank you
0: for listening. I have a new problem. And that's what we're all about. (laughs) In Mail App 7.3 under OS 10.9.5, I inadvertently built a smart mailbox in a mailbox folder that referenced the mailbox folder it's located inside of. That must have created some sort of circular logic loop and now mail crashes every time I try to open it. I have a time machine backup from prior, but I'm not sure what plist or other preference files contains the smart mailbox descriptions. I have dug through... Library mail, v2 mail data, and library preferences, replacing and removing files in hope of mail rebuilding clean ones, all to no avail. Um, Each launch, mail tells me it crashed the previous launch while trying to open windows and asks if I should skip opening them. I never saw these windows, but I tell it not to open them, and then it crashes again. If I had to, I could blow away everything and start over. The mail is all on a remote IMAP server, but I'd like to not have to rebuild the 20 or 30 rules and the dozen or so smart mailboxes that I had. Okay, so I thought this would be simple, Dave, but I think um, something complicates this. So first, I tried the old trick of trying to find, using the finder's advanced search to locate a recently changed plist file. And so, you know, I created a smart mailbox and then uh, looked for a plist file that got modified. And and I didn't find any, or, or I found something, but I didn't find what I wanted. I actually found something in iCloud, Slash mail, slash mail data. And I'm like, huh? And it was called like ubiquitous uh, smart mailbox sync or something.
1: Yeah. Do you you know that, do you you know the the bell that goes off every time you see ubiquitous? Are you going to, are you going to take us there? Right. Because ubiquitous means ubiquity agent put it there or ubiquity agent manages it and it's iCloud. Right. Right.
0: Yep, but but at least it led me to the p list files that sure. um, you should be uh, editing, or, or uh, that contain these, and so I'm uh, so that gave me a clue. So then I looked, Dave, in uh, home directory slash library slash mail slash v two slash mail data. And I saw what I think are two candidates for uh, the smart mailboxes. One is called Smart Mailboxes Local Properties. list, and the other is called Synced Smart Mailboxes. P list. Yeah, as you're suggesting that that also um, kind of yeah. suggests uh, iCloud. I'm like, oh well, let me just whack those files and uh, and see what happens. And I whacked them and started up Mail, and sure enough, the smart mailboxes reappeared. I'm like, what? Yeah. How is this happening? And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, like you said, iCloud. Yep. So I think what, what you're going to need to do. So I'm assuming that you have iCloud enabled. And one of the things that iCloud does in the background is it will sync many features of mail uh, across different uh, installations. One of them being smart mailboxes. If you have it on one, it'll sync uh, to your other mail clients. So I think what you have to do is first go into iCloud slash iCloud in in system preferences. Yep. iCloud, iCloud drive, at least currently. Right. uh, And then mail, and there's a checkbox. And I think what you want to do is you want to uncheck that so that you can then whack these and and it'll take hold. Now, you may want to copy them first because, yeah, I think you have to be careful here because he said that he didn't want to blast all of them. So I think what you may have to do is save those P list files off somewhere and then copy and paste the the rules. um, Once you've cleared things out,
1: it can be a, and so I want to point out two things. You said it right, but I want to reiterate when you get to Mm -hmm. iCloud, there's a mail checkbox right there. That's not the one that's controlling the syncing of the data. That's just adding your iCloud mail account (gasps) Right. Right. So, so you, I mean, you, you said it right, but I just want to make it clear. You've got to go to iCloud drive. And then within there, there's a list of all the apps that are syncing their, their preferences for lack of a better term. And that's not accurate for with everything, but with mail it is. And that's where you turn that off is, is in that box. But, but like you said, it, it gets weird. I, I've been through this a couple of times and I've had to, sometimes I have to like make the edits And then manually roll them to all of my other Macs so that they, you know, those files appear. You can also mess with it. If you go into um, the iCloud Drive folder, um, and now I think you've got to go there in the terminal uh, because... You don't always see this stuff out there.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too. There, there, uh, like that P file that I found. Yeah, it's in iCloud slash Mail slash Mail data. But when I looked in iCloud Drive, there's no Mail yeah, directory. But fin- if you type it in manually, yeah, you can get there. Yeah, it's very strange how
1: it how it hides a lot of the iCloud stuff from you in in the Finder. Right. So yeah, if you go to if you go in the terminal, and I, I swear there's a way to get there in the Finder too, and have it show you the hidden files, but um, certainly if you go in the terminal to the library, mobile documents folder, uh, you will see tons of things there. And, and they've all got kind of weird uh, serialized beginnings. And then, uh, well, wow, I think we just had a power flicker here. That's not good. Um, weird little serialized beginnings. And then, it, you know, the, the reverse uh, DNS of, of whatever the app is. So you should be able to find it, you know, com Tilda Apple Tilda mail is what it is. And I think, I think it's a folder, right? Um, and, and so if you go into that folder, so if you go, if you in the finder, let's see if this will work, uh, real time testing here, you go to the go menu, you say, go to folder and you type in, uh, tilde for home slash library with a capital L Slash mobile space documents with a capital M and D, and then a slash, and then all lowercase com tilde apple tilde mail. No, it won't show it to you in the Finder. In fact, I get an icon I've never seen before. It says iCloud for Mail. You can move your existing documents to iCloud by dragging them here from the Finder or other apps. Dang it! So you got to go there in the terminal, or or use some third party app maybe like pathfinder right would would get there i don't have that installed on this machine to test but uh but that would be the other way so yeah that's where you can go and then you go into the data folder inside that um and maybe in mail data yeah that's where you find it yep ubiquitous synced rules and ubiquitous sync smart mailboxes yeah so maybe pathfinder you run pathfinder john no you used to right no, I run total finder, total finder. That's it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I like total finder.
0: They introduced, uh, they introduced a few features, uh,
1: before Apple did in the finder. And do you still run that, uh, as your main kind of finder mm-hmm. thing? Really? Yeah. Well, so, t- um, I think we're done with, are we done with Adam? Cause I want to ask you about total finder. I'm actually curious about this, but, but, it, but let's finish with Adam first.
0: No, I think we're done. And, and actually, I think there's one other. Um, yeah. So he was asking. There's also one other file I didn't mention. So it's also smartmailboxes.plist. So it looks like there's three files where all that stuff is stored. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. This can get squirrely though. But the, but the problem is, yeah. It's um, iCloud's the the problem here is that it's it's doing what I think it should. It's like, oh yeah,
1: you want me to restore that for you? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is is it's it, it you. Right. Data is missing. I have it. Let me help. Right. Yeah. It's sort of broken. Please don't help. And we've seen that oh, before. Man. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing
0: even more. I'm looking on my, USA. I see another version smart list. Oh my gosh.
1: It looks like there's four P list files that have to do with smart mailboxes. What a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, and, and one, and I do want to get to this total finder thing, but while we're on the subject of iCloud syncing stuff, uh, iCloud syncs iOS data preferences too or app preferences, including some preferences for system level components. And we mentioned this years ago when we stumbled onto it, but it's worth mentioning again, all that stuff is also synced to your Mac. your Mac doesn't use it, but the data is there in that folder. And uh, my son was having a problem with his iPhone and it was terrible. It would you know reboot all the time. so they Apple actually replaced it for him. And the same thing started happening without him restoring any of his stuff. But he did log into his iCloud account and uh, it turns out it was a bad file. You know, he had some bad preference file for the, for the system that was being synced to his phone by iCloud. So he got a new phone out of it, which was nice. But, uh, but you know, so it's worth, we'll put an article up about, about managing that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that data can, can get in the way. So that's one way of managing it. So, but total finder, John, um it what wh- uh, tell tell me about it. Give me, you know, give me the the give me the elevator pitch on on why why you like it. What what do you, what you use it for? Cuz I'm I'm really curious about this.
0: Um I think I initially got into it because it offered something that you always wanted, finder with tab. Yeah, that's right. I think it was the that's what caused me to look at look at it because it was a, a when they introduced it, it was a unique feature. Um the other thing that they offer now, actually in uh, Yosemite, a lot of people had a fist shake over this, is that in uh, in Yosemite, it will give you uh, colored labels, which uh, they they kind of broke in Yosemite, and a lot right. of people were shaking their fists. So that's another thing that they figured out. So um, and it does, you know, some nice colorization of the icons in the sidebar and stuff like that. So um,
1: so does this? Completely yeah, I, I've rep- always liked it. Go ahead. Sorry. Hmm? I was going to say, does this completely replace Finder for you? Like, do you, do you ever run Finder or does this sort of turn Finder off? And- it's, it's, uh,
0: yeah, you have to, you have to, you know, you run it when you start your machine up or put it in the login items and yep. then uh, it runs instead of uh Finder though. It, uh, I'm sure, it you know, it ties into. Sure. So it enhances, you know, it enhances Finder.
1: I, I think it's a separate app entirely though, right? I mean, it's, it's not Finder. That's pretty cool. Huh.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you hover over the Finder icon in in the OS, it'll say Finder. It doesn't say you know, oh, Total Finder. Okay. Oh, interesting. But it's different. You can tell you're running it because actually when you uh, see it in the dock, it actually has a little tab. Got um, it. I you mean, know, like a folder tab, whereas the regular Finder
1: icon is, you know, just the square with the smile. Oh, on. yeah, I see the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey.
0: How do they get away with that? Yeah, and they do, and they do some other things here. Actually, I'm looking right now. So some of the other things that are really cool about a uh, Total Finder, yeah. So um, file browser, um, they have a file browser section. You can have you can show system files, which is kind of nice. Oh, that, normally they're hidden.
1: Well, that, does that help? Does that work in this iCloud folder?
0: Um. No, you know it didn't. Yeah, they 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 okay. effectively uh, shielded that stuff. But okay. for example, now I'm clicking on it, and you know the folder that I that I happen to be in. Actually, when I click on Show System Files, it shows .dot ds underscore store, which is you know a
1: hidden yeah. system file. Yeah. Right. Right. fascinating. Um, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm wondering how they get how they get away with using that that. Well, I guess they're not in the App Store, so that that's how they get away with with using Apple's logo. Because remember, we had. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me with mac geekab we had the finder icons in the logos of the glasses or in the in the lenses of the glasses on the mac geekab logo and as soon as we submitted the app to uh to the ios store years ago they were like uh yeah no you can't do that like what like oh, no 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 that's an apple that's apple ip like oh yeah didn't even think about it um all right, we got one last one. And while we're on the subject of Finder, this is a, a great way to tie it together. Bill uh, Bill writes in, he says, I have three drives that are usually mounted to my MacBook Pro mid-2012 15-inch. Suddenly, they have disappeared from the Finder sidebar. I can see them when I open Disk Utility, so I know they are connected. In fact, I first discovered the issue when I looked at the sidebar, saw that they weren't there, assumed that they were unmounted, so I pulled the USB plug. I go to finder preferences and see that hard disks and external disks are both checked in the sidebar panel. I tried unchecking them, rebooting, then checking them again. They still don't appear. Meanwhile, I decided to find the upgrade from Mavericks to Yosemite. And I thought that with a new OS that would fix it. No. Again, I ran Onyx and again, no change. Uh, I'm stumped. Any thoughts? Well, I've seen this. It's not, uh, it's not uncommon. And the only way, so uh, you can still see them in the finder. If you go uh, again in the finder, back to that go menu that we just mentioned and go to computer, you should see all of your disks listed there, uh, include and and an option for network. But uh, but you should see all the disks connected to your computer there. From here, double click on one of them so that you're now seeing the disk. Uh, that might get it to show up in the device's sidebar, but it, it might not. Uh, if it does not, go up, and grab the icon from the title bar of the window. So, you know, you've got the contents of the window, then you've got the toolbar above that is an icon. And then the name, grab the icon itself and drag that over to the devices section. And that will put it back there in most cases. That also works with network drives. If you want to have them in like your, uh, you know, your shared section or your favorites or whatever, or even in devices. Um, it's a weird UI thing. Uh, there is, to my knowledge, there is no other way to do this, which is wonky because it's completely undocumented, but, uh, but it does work and that's, you know, I guess that's the most important thing is that it works. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to do it right now cause I want my movies drive to show up there. And so now I just dragged it over and now my movies drive mm-hmm. shows up. It's weird, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. I don't know why they call it finder. It seems it doesn't. It <laughs> doesn't sometimes do a
0: very good job of helping you find things. No, it doesn't.
1: It doesn't. Crazy.
0: Well, it's no, it, crazy. no, it does. No, I got to say it does a very nice job of um, obscuring, uh, of only showing you the important parts of the underlying Unix uh, file system,
1: right? Um, that's true. I, yeah, as much as we complain about it, I would not want to see all those DS store files, I would, you know, all the time. So... Yeah, but but it's good to know how to get around it when you need to. That's that's the important part. So, yeah, I got to find an app and um, I thought maybe Total Finder would be it, but maybe it's Pathfinder. I got to find something to manage that kind of stuff in a graphical way. Although I'm I'm quite comfortable with the terminal, but there are things that are just simpler to do and more efficient to do in a um, in a GUI. So I got to check that out. I don't know. It's always something it's fun though because it you know keeps us uh, keeps us doing what we're doing hey there's the band it's that time John wow I'm,
0: I'm, I'm surprised they're uh, able to play it's early in this uh, in this frigid weather that's crazy they're not frozen um would you like to build a
1: snowman speaking of frozen John <laughs>
0: Would you like to? Oh, I've seen some hilarious uh parodies. Yeah, (laughs) one was like a coffee based one. Would you like to get some coffee? (laughs) That's awesome. They have some, yeah, really, really funny spinoffs. Oh my gosh, though, especially this uh, the, the the during the holiday season, I was like overwhelmed with frozen paraphernalia, it was like everywhere like everybody wants to be a princess. Everybody wants frozen stuff. Oh yeah. Even our libra- our library actually I think they took it down. Our even our, our local library did uh uh frozen decorations on the uh, on the door. I hope hope they don't get get sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's going to sue a library? Uh, I don't know. I I heard um it, it, you know some companies Disney and others uh, yeah. you know no, you gotta protect their, uh, intellectual your intellectual you property your that's true yeah 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 that's true yeah I think they've even you know shaken down you know like I've seen you know like like you know element, you know like preschool and stuff they you know paint things and they're like um, yeah you gotta kinda kinda license that or uh,
1: yeah or take it down yeah, you got to protect your rights. Yeah, you have to. That's right, because yeah. if they don't protect them with the library, then when somebody uses it for something else, th- those other people can say, well, you didn't protect it with the library, so therefore, uh, it's now fair use. That's right. Uh, Furbies yeah. is saying in the chat room that Tinkertool may be the, the magic answer for showing uh, system files and that sort of thing, so I'll have to check out, Check that out. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Furbies. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned it once before, but I will say it again. Feedback at com is the address to which you uh, can send all of, uh, all of whatever you want to send us, including you know, your favorite Linda course and uh, your favorite uh, Bare Bones apps. Please. I, I mean it. I would love to hear what courses you folks are using. I know we've heard from some of you, but I would, I would love to hear from all of you.
0: I don't know, Dave. I like to think outside of the box, and I prefer... To send email to feedback at macgeekapp.com.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know how it is. 206 666 geek is the address. John, Four, three, three, five. and geek is 4335. And John, we're also, go
0: ahead. We're also on the Twitters. And actually, you know, I went back to uh, my, my favorite Twitter client, they, they, they had a, a bug data bug that they fixed uh you were for now they call it night owl but yeah I, i'm still running twitterific actually on um on my ios devices um but uh yeah no they fixed it they, they, nice. you know i think i told you you know i tried to add an account and it it, it it was violently crashing yeah 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 they finally fixed it oh that's good so that's nice but speaking of the twitters if you want to uh tweet with us um i am john apran he is dave hamilton that other guy is pilot pete the podcast is MacGeekApp, and the publication is MacObserver, all at Twitter.com.
1: But there's more, Dave. Yeah, I, uh, you know, our mugs are actually being produced as we speak for all of the folks that qualified both uh, all the way up through uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, was the cutoff date. The, the newly revised cutoff date, because things took so long to come around. But the mugs are being produced as we speak, and uh, I believe we've got everybody's addresses, so hopefully those will start going out Um I, they might actually start going out this week. I think they'll be back in um, in the fulfillment house um, shortly, uh, snow permitting. Because our fulfillment house is right here in Massachusetts, so um, oh, so sweet things things get slowed down right. at times. But yeah,
0: yeah. I think there's so, one person. Yeah, I sent out the email. You know, I always I always cringe before I do a, a Mailchimp campaign. Sure. <laughs> Oh, because one time I sent one out and I got the fields wrong, so it was all mangled. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, I blew it.
1: <laughs> MailChimp's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, so premium at MacGeekUp.com is the address that all of you that are premium supporters, whether you've hit the tier for a mug this time around or not, premium at MacGeekUp.com is the address that you can use. I would like to thank... All of you for listening. Uh I really like to thank all of you that are premium members. You can find out about that at mackeep.com. We we really do uh, truly appreciate your support and I'm sincerely uh, apologetic and and just truly sorry about how long it took to get the mugs around. And I'm thankful for how uh, understanding and frankly uh, how much of a non-event that kind of thing is uh for all of you. your you, your support Shines through in those moments and and the real reason for the premium program really kind of kind of um, uh, is is made evident to us so it 's humbling. thank you. Uh, we really do appreciate your support. Uh, I want to also thank Michael Johnston. he produces the iOS show he 's the host of the iOS show, and he also converts this show to AAC for all of us and all of you adding those chapters that uh, that I know you love and uh, I want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. In our podcast marketplace this month, of course, lynda.com slash M-G-G, barebones.com, at barebones software there, of course, drobo.com, uh, M-G-G-50, I think, I think that coupon code still works. Use it, though, because I don't think it's going to last forever. Squarespace.com slash M-G-G gazelle.com for all selling off all your stuff and of course the people that make the software we can't live without smile at smilesoftware.com John uh, I'm not sure when we're doing the next show but I think it's certainly going to be before Sunday because I'm on an airplane Sunday weather permitting I think we're, I think we're recording Friday afternoon but between now and the next time we record folks have a splendid week and please don't get caught.
0: Made up.